Hello everyone. How are you all? It's been another week of change, hasn't it? I started off this week uh, mountain biking in down in the borders with uh, my son Tom, uh, which was really brilliant fun. I only fell off once, thankfully, much to his amusement. We enjoyed being out in nature. We enjoyed the challenge of the runs, the the thigh-burning climbs up the hills. Uh, we we loved it. We felt cocooned, I guess, too, from being from what was. Uh, going on elsewhere. And as we've returned, reality has hit. Uh, we were due to have my mum, uh, my auntie and my uncle coming to stay with us uh, for the weekend. To We haven't seen them since uh, Christmas and this had all been arranged and unfortunately that's that's been cancelled. We were due to have a friend from our community over for dinner and that's been cancelled. It's my youngest son Callum's eighth birthday this week and uh, he was looking forward to his one friend being allowed to come round and <laughs> unfortunately that's also been cancelled. At work the impact of dealing with clients as they struggle with life at the minute and um, and as they sometimes take that out inadvertently on other people, that, that has an impact on us and we've got a few members of staff off with staff with stress-related illness at the minute and the ongoing mental health of the team and that remains a concern and a priority so there's a lot a lot going on a lot has changed and i'm sure you've all got similar stories to um to tell and this is a microcosm of of what's going on right across the country at the minute people are feeling anxious people are feeling fearful they're feeling overwhelmed confused hopeless frustrated worried angry Lots of emotions are coming to the fore, aren't they? That's, that's our current reality. And so much of what's happening is really out with our control. And yet it's so easy to focus our attention on the things that we really can't do much about. So how, how do we change that? What should we be doing instead? Where, where do we have choices that we can make? How should we be directing our thoughts so with all, all that in mind, let me read you uh, the passage that was designated for today whenever this sermon series was set. Let me read you a, a bit of it from Hebrews chapter 4, verses 14 to 16. So then, since we have a great high priest who has entered heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to what we believe. This high priest of ours understands our weaknesses, for he faced all of the same testings we do, yet he did not sin. So let us come boldly to the throne of grace. There we will receive God's mercy, and we will find grace to help us when we need it most. Let's just pray for a moment as we, uh, as we reflect on those words. Father, we thank you for who you are. We thank you for your unchanging nature. We thank you for your word. We thank you for the opportunity for us all to, to gather together in this way. And right now, we just want to quiet ourselves. We want to set aside circumstances, not ignore them, just set them aside at this moment, minute. We want to hear your voice. We want to know your leading 
your comfort, your challenge, your direction to each of us in this moment. Thank you that you're with us. Thank you that you love us. Thank you that your word is alive and relevant. Will you use it in each of our lives now? For we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. I don't know about you, but I just find those words were so appropriate to us right now. Just brimming with comfort and encouragement. The central phrase is amazing. We have a great high priest, Jesus, the Son of God. In the midst of challenging and changing circumstances, we have a great high priest, Jesus, the Son of God. Whilst there are many things that we don't have at present, we have a great high priest, Jesus, the Son of God. The details and significance of, of Jesus as high priest, they will be fully unpacked later on in this a series on Hebrews. And in being described in this way, Jesus is being likened to the priesthood of Israel, uh, who represented man to God. That, that's what they did. They acted as an intermediary, a go-between or a bridge, if you like, between God and man. And suffice to say now that Jesus was God's promised great high priest, who would perfectly and continually do what that old priesthood could only do in part. Jesus was God's promised great high priest who would perfectly do and continually do what that old priesthood could only do in part. And as we've read here, it's very easy to miss that little word, have. We have a great high priest. That's present tense, here and now. It's also continual. We have and we keep on having a great high priest. Through Jesus' death and resurrection, he accomplished victory over sin, over death and over the devil, and so opened the way for all of us to have that relationship with Father God. And what we read here is that he's continuing to implement that work. Continuing to implement what he accomplished when he was here on earth. Jesus has entered heaven and is representing us right now in God's presence, interceding for us right this minute. That's an incredible thought to grasp and an, and an, and an easy one to, to not give too much thought space to. We have, we have a great high priest. His work on our behalf is ongoing. Just stop and think about that for a moment. Jesus, the Son of God, our great high priest, representing you and me right this moment. Incredible thought. And if that's not comfort enough, we also read that Jesus understands our weaknesses, for he faced all of the same testing we do, yet he did not sin. What? You mean Jesus felt the same emotions that I'm doing right now? 
He went through the same negative experiences that I go through. That's exactly correct. That's what we read. Jesus is fully human and fully God. And by using his human name, Jesus, the writer emphasizes his humanity. And while the name the Son of God emphasizes his divinity, Jesus knew pain and sadness. He knew happiness, he knew joy. He knew rejection, he knew confusion. Listen to what we read in verse seven of chapter five. While Jesus was here on earth, he offered prayers and pleadings with a loud cry and tears to the one who could rescue him from death. Jesus had to go through these things in order to become our great high priest. Remember the phrase we have, a great high priest, Jesus, the son of God. He had to go through those things in order to become that great high priest. In his humanity, Jesus submitted in complete obedience to God, knowing the purpose for which he had come. It cannot be overemphasized that Jesus lived on earth as a skin and bones man. It wasn't like he had just had a human costume that he put on and, and underneath he was, he was indestructible. No, that's not the case. Listen to verse 8 of chapter 5. Even though Jesus was God's son, he learned obedience from the things he suffered. Even though Jesus was God's son, he learned obedience from the things he suffered. Let that sink in. Jesus learned obedience. Clearly that doesn't mean that Jesus was somehow disobedient. Rather, it means that Jesus had to learn what it was like to be human. That skin and bones human being, he had to learn what it was like. He had to learn what God's creation was all about. He had to learn how it worked. He had to learn what was required to rescue humankind from the mess that it was in. So again, let's both marvel and take comfort in the fact that this high priest of ours understands our weakness. For he faced all the same testings we did, and yet he didn't sin. It's because of this too that Jesus is not only our great high priest, but also the perfect high priest. Listen to the words in verse 9. In this way, God qualified him as a perfect high priest, and he became the source of eternal salvation to those who obey him. Because Jesus became fully acquainted with all that had gone wrong with creation, experiencing suffering, experiencing pain, experiencing rejection and experiencing the horror of death, he became fully qualified to be the savior of the world. That's what that word perfect means. He became fully qualified because of those experiences, because of his obedience. And today, in this moment, we can know the indescribable joy and comfort of being able to say we have a great high priest, Jesus, the Son of God. It's great to take time 
to read and to grasp the comfort available to us, especially given the current circumstances that we all find ourselves in. And as well as the comfort we find because of who Jesus is and what he's done and what he continues to do, we've got a part too. We've got a part to play as well. There are some challenges for us to grasp hold of and to own for ourselves. There's responsibilities for us to take. The first is this we read in, in verse 14, to hold firmly to what we believe. Hold firmly to what we believe. That speaks of, of proactivity, of courage in the light of Jesus' ongoing intercession on our behalf. What Jesus has done, what Jesus continues to do on our behalf should motivate us in our day-to-day -day lives when those thoughts are in our mind, when we've grasped that. In the previous passage, the writer warned several times, don't harden your hearts. Don't harden your hearts. Without proactive action, the natural tendency will be for our hearts to harden. It's a bit like Callum's birthday cake. If it's left out at night, it'll go hard. It needs to get put into a tin or, or a box or something like that. The natural tendency for our hearts, if we're not proactive about it, is that they will harden. Things that we know that we oughtn't to think or say or do will we'll become blasé about them. So as well as the warning, the writer also gives some great advice as to how to counter that tendency. Here's what, here's what he says. Be careful then, dear brothers and sisters. Be careful. Be careful. Make sure that your own hearts are not evil and unbelieving, turning you away from the living God. You must warn each other every day while it's still today so that none of you will be deceived by sin and hardened against God. God wants us to use each other to help us to hold firmly to what we believe. That's how he's made us. It's a great reminder, isn't it, of our need for each other, our need for community our need for a place to find both that support and that challenge and that accountability and that love. God has made us to, to be totally dependent on him and to be interdependent one on another. We're God's gift to each other. That's the beauty of community that we find ourselves in. As those relationships grow and deepen, God uses them to help each other so that we can hold firmly to what it is that we believe. The writer also advises us to think carefully about this Jesus whom we declare to be God's messenger. Be careful, he said in the first bit, and then think carefully about this Jesus whom we declare to be God's messenger. Truly taking time to contemplate Jesus, allowing our minds to, to picture him, as we read the Gospels and we read the stories of him, can we picture him with his friends? Can we picture him walking along? Can we picture him speaking? Can we picture him facing opposition? Allowing truths like he understands our weakness to really deeply impact us. That's great advice, isn't it? Think carefully about this Jesus. And that can only be done with time. With time, with the Bible open in front of us probably and with the help of the Holy Spirit 
to open our eyes, the eyes of our, our minds, to think carefully about Jesus. The second challenge is this. So firstly, to hold firmly to what we believe. And the second challenge is a challenge with an associated promise, actually. Here's what we read then. Let us then approach the throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. So there's the challenge for us. Let us approach the throne of grace with confidence and the promise so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. What an invitation that is. That's an invitation into prayer, isn't it? And the confidence and boldness with which we can do this, that's got nothing to do with us. That's not confidence or boldness in ourselves, but that's got everything to do with Jesus. It's confidence in him our great high priest. It's confidence in what he's done. It's confidence that he's gone through so much to understand the weaknesses and the testings that we find ourselves in. Not praying, in fact, is human arrogance. As it says, I can manage on my own, thanks. We've already read that while on earth Jesus prayed and now we're being invited into the presence of Father God who welcomes us and into the presence of Jesus who fully understands us and empathizes with us. And it's in that holy place that we claim the promises that are spoken about. We receive mercy to cover the sin that we've committed today, yesterday, whatever, to recognize that, to acknowledge it, to seek forgiveness and to find mercy and also to find grace to help us tomorrow, to help us in that moment of need, whatever that is. Grace to help us in the day-to-day -day reality of life. Life is very different to what we'd all envisaged for 2020, isn't it? And yet, no matter how we're feeling, we're not alone. We have someone who perfectly empathises with everything we're, everything we're feeling and is continually interceding on our behalf. So then, since we have a great high priest who has entered heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to what we believe. This high priest of ours understands our weaknesses for he faced all of the same testings we do yet he did not sin. So let us come boldly to the throne of grace. There we will receive God's mercy and we will find grace to help us when we need it most. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you that you never leave us. We thank you for Jesus, our great high priest, our perfect high priest. And Lord Jesus, we thank you for what you're doing on our behalf now. And we pray that today we'd, we'd just acknowledge and recognize that a little bit more. 
We pray that as as our life has been, uh, things have been taken away from our lives, instead of filling them back up with distractions, we'd be filling them up with thoughts of you. That we'd grow in our wonder of your ongoing intercession for us. And whilst we just cannot fully grasp the extent of what you've done and what you're doing, help us to grow bit by bit in a little bit of understanding of it. We thank you for the comfort it brings. We thank you for the joy that wells in our hearts when we do contemplate you and who you are and what you've done. And Father, we ask for your strength that we may grasp the responsibilities that we see here to hold firmly to our faith and to come to the throne of grace. We thank you for your love for us. And we give ourselves to you this day. For we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.